0: Mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. Online mental health care. This is Shira Vollmer, MD. I'm a psychiatrist at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Thank you for joining me for this sixth episode in my series of podcasts on mental health during the coronavirus. This series is about keeping yourself and your patients mentally healthy in this unstable and scary world. These podcasts will be published weekly by primed.com. Today's topic is about obtaining mental health care online. How can providers or patients access mental health in the time of COVID-19? Telemental Health is behavioral health services provided through technology. It allows psychiatrists, therapists, and other mental health professionals to reach their clients despite long distance or the client's inability to come to the office or more recently during a pandemic. The hope is that with greater access, there will be less barriers to mental health care. Having said that, there is still a nationwide shortage of mental health providers. And so telemental health for psychiatry could still be in short supply. During the pandemic, telemental health is the option for mental health care. But as the pandemic recedes, telemental health for some will be a supplement to in-person treatment or it may replace in-person treatment altogether. As with all aspects of the pandemic, we will need to wait and see which changes in our world will stick, which will revert to our old ways of doing things and which will become a hybrid of both. Let's start with a little history. Although it seems like telemental health is a new concept, the timeline begins in 1959. In 1959, the Nebraska Psychiatric Institute used video conferencing to provide group therapy, long-term therapy, consultation liaison psychiatry, and medical student training. This goes back a long way, but it was not mainstream at that point. Telepsychiatry was slow to be adopted because one of the major concerns is privacy. Even with privacy protections, there is still a large concern that the conversation can be hacked and can be used for unwanted purposes. As such, there can be tension in the patient about what they can and cannot say. Privacy is the bedrock of mental health services, and as such, video conferencing tools, even with protection, are still vulnerable, and so the patient and provider must understand the risk of losing privacy and what that might mean to the trust in the dyad. In addition, there are significant limitations when it comes to aggressive patients. Before COVID-19, Mental health clinics could provide care for aggressive and impulsive patients. With online mental health care, our only option is to call for emergency services, which are in short supply in some areas of the country. Further, we are only just beginning to learn the appropriate scope of practice with telepsychiatry and the limits with regards to both diagnosis and treatment. In the past, all telepsychiatry guidelines have strongly suggested that there also need to be boots on the ground. And that means that there is an in-person available if the therapist slash psychiatrist feels that the person is unstable and needs to be evaluated in person. This may not mean that the patient needs to go to urgent care or to an emergency room, but only that online treatment may not be appropriate for all patients. With more limited resources and the fear of going to a physician's office, an urgent care, or an emergency room, the options for boots on the ground are limited. In this case, the provider is encouraged to learn better assessment tools online. It may also be important to get consent to talk to loved ones who can help us evaluate what's going on with the patient. Online therapy may have to expand to family support therapy with patient consent, as the family has eyeballs on the patient, whereas the therapist only sees the patient from the neck up. The other major limitation to telepsychiatry is that although there's a history of telepsychiatry which precedes this pandemic, the studies are very limited as to what are the potential pitfalls. With the absence of studies, we can anticipate that the screen might disguise or cover up information that would have been apparent with an in-office visit. For example, if the patient does not shower for 10 days, there is no way an online provider would suspect that unless the patient confessed. Not being able to smell the patient is an example of how telepsychiatry is not the same as in-person treatment. Future studies will illuminate other examples of the limitations, but for now, both patient and practitioner need to be mindful of the differences between in-person and online assessment and treatment. Clinical experience tells us that switching a patient from the office to video therapy is fairly straightforward. The challenge is in working with new patients. With new patients, a rapport must be developed And this is actually facilitated by sharing physical space together. In the absence of sharing physical space, the patient and the provider are left to a verbal interchange, which when building a relationship online may seem superficial or mechanical. This is a bad outcome, which providers need to learn how to avoid. Transmitting warmth and concern to a new patient is one of the challenges of online treatment. In other words, seeking online treatment is convenient and necessary during this pandemic, but the downside might be retention. Will patients stay in treatment while doing online therapy? Does the ease to connect to a therapist make it also easy to disconnect? With time, we need to monitor the strength of the provider-patient relationships for those who started treatment online. Further, we need to develop new relationship-building tools to apply to online treatment. Perhaps these new tools come in the form of having patients text message between sessions or having them share essays that they have written or songs they have written or sung during this period. Adding on exchanges outside of the therapy hour may be critical to developing deeper and hence more trusting relationships online. Having outlined some concerns, the advantages, especially in the days of COVID-19 are numerous. The accessibility is great, not only because all that is necessary is two computers capable of video chat, treatment can be done when the patient wants to take a break during their workday, thereby minimizing the time taken away from their demanding job and also providing immediate on-the-job relief. Since the major tool in a psychiatric visit is listening, telepsychiatry lends itself to this modality since listening is intensified, given that other senses, such as smell and touch, are out of the question. This forces both the patient and the provider to focus on a narrative, which is a key component to working through the stresses and strains trauma in general, and this pandemic in particular. In other words, on the positive side, telepsychiatry is an exciting option for those verbally inclined individuals who are overwhelmed or internally disrupted and are specifically internally disrupted by this pandemic. Further, paper and pencil assessment tools lend themselves to a share screen application within most video chats. For example, the PHQ-9 or the GAD-7 can be given to patients over video, and these scores can be tracked over time, which gives both the provider and the patient a metric for how the patient is progressing. Clinical pearls for online mental health, although still evolving, include encouraging the patient to find a private space, be it a closet, a bathroom, or their car helping the patient to explain to family members why this time is not to be interrupted and that all loved ones must support this time as they would an in-person session. This space should be consistent with every visit so that the patient and the therapist have not only their time together but their respective spaces together. As a psychiatrist myself, I'm living through an era of great transition in medical practice. This pandemic has forced us to rapidly shift our practices from office work to online work. We had little time to prepare for this transition, and as such, we are learning as we go. We know we will make mistakes. We know we will make both diagnostic and therapeutic errors. We know that these errors can cause human suffering to our patients and their families. And yet, we have no choice. We must adapt to a new delivery method of care. We must be humble and learn new skills which suit our new technology. We must be mindful that although we have trained for many years, some of our old skills might not transfer over to our new demands. Knowing all of the above and knowing that our patients need our services, however clumsy we may feel, We need to learn as we go and be open and curious to how we are both succeeding and failing with online communication tools. Psychiatry brings to medicine a deep humility. We must listen to our patients because only they know their experience. This pandemic must deepen our humility further because patients want to be heard and we want to listen but now we must rely on machines with internet connections which can be unreliable and thereby limit our understanding of the patient and their concerns in summary telemental health is the major option today for obtaining behavioral health care during covid-19 this is a new frontier for both providers and patients with new frontiers brings a steep learning curve to providers mandating that we stay curious and humble in the face of many, many unknowns. Patients are given easier access, which might decrease stigma and increase demand for services, but it might also decrease retention if a bond is not formed. History is yet to be written. I will be particularly curious about the history of psychiatry during COVID-19. Thank you very much for joining me to discuss mental health in the time of COVID-19. I look forward to your feedback and for you to join me for my next podcast on primed.com. I'm Shira Volmer, MD. Until next time, stay well and stay happy.